from Los Angeles, California. This is the Writer's Strike Chronicles, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Friday, February 8th, 2008, day 96 of the Writer's Strike. In today's episode, I get a chance to speak to Joss Whedon, and then I meet up with Monique Darling, a huge fan of Whedon's, and her sister, Heather Griffith. Both recordings took place at the Sci-Fi Channel Day for Fans and Writers picketing event in front of NBC Studios. Now, before we start, a couple of news and notes. First up, at the time of this recording, United Hollywood posted some issues they were having concerning a recent article in the New York Times by Michael Sipley. The upshot of the post was that United Hollywood was calling for the Times to hire a fact-checker. Now, as a podcaster covering the strike, I can tell you that I know to only report any news item that can be substantiated by a second source and backed up by a fact-checker. I'm not even a trained journalist, and I know that. So as I've said yesterday, I am honoring the media blackout, and I advise all my listeners to go to the official WGA website and unitedhollywood.com for any news and updates. I've been saying in my blog, and I'll say it here again, I believe that somebody is leaking information in the media blackout, and I want to know who it is. Now, I doubt that I have that much voice in the blogosphere, but it may have occurred to the AMPTP's PR firm, the so-called Masters of Disaster, Mark Fabiani and Chris Lahane, that they need to put a face to the rumors that I think they're leaking, because I just read a report on CNN.com in which Michael Eisner announced that the strike is over. I'm like, what the fuck? Remember, everybody, consider the source when you hear anything in the news and on the media and even in a podcast like mine and ask yourself, do they have a dog in this fight? Remember, the conglomerates own the networks. They also control televised news media. I'm just saying, my two cents, your mileage may vary. Okay, second up. I don't know what makes this day of all days so special, but tonight as I sat down to begin mixing this podcast, I received several donations for my efforts to help keep me going. I want to say thanks to Kennedy Goodkey and Michael Heister to donating to my Strike Survival Fund. And also thanks to Becca Bryan who called in to leave me the following message. Hi, this message is for Tanya Barnes. This is Becca Bryan. I'm calling from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. A friend just sent me the link to your website, The Writer's Strike Chronicles, um, where you just did an interview with Sean Ryan, the creator of The Unit. Um, I have a website devoted to The Unit for fans called theunithq.com, and we've been trying to reach Sean Ryan for uh, some time to get a short interview about the show. Um, also, I wanted to thank you very much for the interview. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think you have a great website, and I'm glad my friend sent it to me. Um, I would be glad to donate uh, two bucks to buy a cup of coffee, and uh, and I'd actually love to buy a pot of coffee. I will be in Los Angeles on February 14th and 15th. Uh, please give me a buzz if you have a second, and uh, and I will call you right back so you don't incur any phone charges, Okay. Again, my name is Becca, B-E-C-C-A, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N. Thanks again. Bye. Thanks, Becca. I shot you an email in response to this voice message. Thanks for contacting me, and let's talk when you get into town next week, okay? Thanks again, everybody. Your support means so much. Okay, let's move on with today's episode. 
First up is the inimitable Joss Whedon. And before we roll sound, I need to tell you how this came about. I waited in line like several other fans to get my moment with Joss, and when I finally met him face to face, I totally froze. I'm sorry, I just lost it. But I will say this, Joss is super cool, and he totally carried the interview, and for that I am ever so grateful. Having said that, I do want to apologize to my listeners that I didn't ask him any questions about his work or his career, and I'm really sorry, but I took the opportunity to ask the guy things that were important to me as a new media creator. I'm sorry if that was selfish, but let me tell you, I promise, if you ever have anything you want to ask Joss for the next time I meet him, please shoot me an email at info at strikechronicles.com, and I promise to ask him on your behalf the next time we meet. One more thing before we begin, and that is... Another apology, I do have to apologize, but for some inexplicable reason, this time it was not the loss of battery power or the lack of disk space, but my recorder just chopped off the last 30 seconds of this interview. I know, it sucks. I was absolutely devastated. I am really, really, really sorry. But anyway, now without any further ado, here's Joss Whedon. This is part of my show. Okay. I'm going to make some dirty noises. Okay. <laughs> Just like I did in uh, that episode with uh, where Buffy and Angel had sex. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm at the picket line with the... With the with the with, with the famous or infamous or just the with, with the surprisingly the svelte Joss Whedon, I think is what you're searching for. <laughs> and you're completely surrounded by fans. How does that make you feel? Um, I'm in danger. How so? Um, they're flanking me, and something bad is going to happen to me. If you can hear my voice, come help me. <laughs> Actually, they're very kind and they're very shy. I know that. I mean, I don't, they're not all shy, but they're all, so far they've all been kind. You know what, they're going to kill me because I'm not going to ask questions about your past work. What I'm really curious about and what I've noticed about you is that you build a community, and I'd like to know how you do that. Um, well, uh, it takes a village. No, um, you, I, I didn't build it, they did. Um, all I did was tell the stories that I thought were, were the cool ones, and then the community kind of came up around it and, be, and turned itself into a community. I saw it go from being just a fan base to a real community where people were getting both sort of fulfillment and help from each other in a way that completely reaches beyond the show. So, I, you know, I mean, you show up, it's like stone soup, basically. Yeah, I don't know if you know the story of stone yes, soup, the children's story. Well, I brought, I brought the stones, they made the soup. You know, but. What do you think was the switch? What do you think made it from just fandom to community? Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to say. I think the way in which fans relate did start to change when the internet sort of blew up right as we were coming up. And I think that, uh, you know, the other, the other show, the different shows and the different fandoms created sort of different pockets of people. So there became this kind of crossover within the same fandom. And I, I just think that uh, this is the way people are. This is what people want to do. They want to have community. And people say, oh, computers destroy community because people are in their rooms all day. But at the same time, they're engendering a new kind and this is that kind I think that community and uh, creating a community is the key to new media and creating content on the internet do you have any advice for new media creators um, you know I don't I, I, I am a new media creator and, and I'm, I'm asking for their advice I'm trying to figure out how to make it work and how to do stuff and how to rent a horse I'll explain that later and um, so you're communicating with your with your community I mean 
whatever else to call it. You're actually talking to them? Um, yeah, generally, uh, you know, usually I, I do more listening than talking um, because I know I'm going to say something stupid. Uh, but then eventually I get in the mood to say something stupid and everybody's really kind about it. <laughs> Okay. Um, you mentioned a lot about the Internet, so I'm going to wrap this up with my final question. Thank you for being so generous with your time. The question is, what is a more powerful invention for writers and artists? Legacy notwithstanding, standalone technology. What is a more powerful invention, the Internet or the printing press? Um, you know, I have to go with the printing press, kicking it old school. That just, you know, that really did change everything. Um, the Internet is a better printing press, but at the end of the day, the printing press came first, so it wins. Okay. Anything as we wrap this up? Anything that fans may want to, you want to tell your fans? Just, uh, uh, I'm on strike, okay? That was Joss Whedon at the picket line in front of NBC Studios. Coming up is sisters Monique Darling and Heather Griffith. Monique is a huge fan of Whedon's, and she drives about, I think, seven or eight hours from St. George, Utah to Los Angeles, California, just to support the writers on fan day picketing events. I've interviewed her and her sister before, along with Monique's son, Ronan, so you may remember them from previous episodes. Okay, let's roll sound. Okay, I'm at the picket line again with Heather... And Monique, you're not, your last name is not Darling, though, right? It's Griffith. That's right. Yeah. Heather Griffith and Monique Darling. And y'all came down from Utah <laughs> again, and you came this morning? Yes. And you turning around and going back home tonight? Yes. <laughs> wow. How does that feel? I mean, well, I'm lucky to have Heather because uh, I did it a couple times myself, and I had to drive both ways, and I was very tired. This way, we left at midnight. I drive out here, and then I sleep on, and she slept, and then I sleep on the way back, and she drives back. So, okay, it works perfect. <laughs> what really made you come out here today? What was it that got you going? Uh, Michael Mooney. <laughs> he said he'd be here, so okay. <laughs> he wanted to come see because Veronica Mars I absolutely love, and Joss Whedon. We heard rumors that Joss would be here, and Joss is the one that started all of our passion for writers. What do you think? I just talked to Joss Whedon. Why do you think, um, what I've noticed about him and his products is that it's different than just fans. It's more like community. Why do you think that is? Well, any of the stories that he has to tell, he tells it so well and he interweaves all the different characters and things so as you're watching, you feel like you're in the room. Like you're part of that family and he's the creator of that family and so, you know, he's turned us all into a huge family that we all care about each other and like all of his things are, um, what is the right word? Like he does it means something else, like symbols, or it's the word that starts with the M that okay. <laughs> I'm blanking on. Okay. But you, yeah, it's a, he, he does all these metaphors that are that are in his storytelling that are just awesome. And as you enjoy his shows more and more, then you realize that the stories that he's really telling. What was the first show you saw of his? Buffy. And how did you get dragged into that? My husband. <laughs> Tell the story. Yeah. Um, well, it was in the sixth season of Buffy, and I hadn't really watched it because you know vampires and and stupid stuff. And okay. then my husband says, "Oh, you need to." watch it and then I saw James Marsters and Spike and I was hooked <laughs> like he's the first one that's the reason I went to conventions is so I can meet Spike which is played by James Marsters and what kind of conventions do you go to uh, all different ones <laughs> supernatural I, I go to any Whedon convention that I can go to I like supernatural heroes can I butt in yeah sure these are conventions where fans get the privilege of paying money to be here they're actors they like speak or look at but the thing is is as I've gone to more and more conventions I've developed friendships with the actors and like they know me on site and it's just a great feeling I email them I you know it's it's like more of a friendship rather than a fanship yeah that's what I'm saying it's like a community it is yeah. yeah and I'm just curious how you build that in an era where you know 
people are weird and may not be safe. I mean, what was that girl, that Rebecca Schaefer, that got shot by a fan many, many, many years ago? So well, with with Joss Whedon, then for some reason, he attracts people that love to read, and the, you know, literate people. That's the right word, right? Literate <laughs> are the, I was it the wrong way, but they they seem to be safe and they're really intelligent and they like to find the hidden meanings and you yeah. know we just have so much in common that when you talk to a brown coat, which is what Joss's group is, you know from Firefly, the brown coats were the federation, oh, okay. so okay. where all of his fans are the brown coats. And when you meet a fellow brown coat, then you kind of know what they're already thinking and kind of what what type of person they are. And most of them are really giving and you know they're, they're, it's just it really is a family. It's- it's almost like a group of D&D players, yeah, except yeah. for it's not Dungeons and Dragons, it's Buffy and things like that. Yeah. I do appreciate his work in the movies like Aliens and Aliens vs. Predator, Boy things story. like that. And his bounds do seem like family-based, but it's not always what it seems. Okay. <laughs> what are you really saying? What I've found about his friends when I've gone to conventions with my sister is half of them truly are like family and like friends and the other half are let's just say less forthcoming they are friendly and appear to be friends but they have issues with the other fans and I've just found that they're a little bit phony with but each that's other. Just the convention world. It's yeah. just the convention world, I guess, because I don't do a lot of conventions, so to me, it's quite bizarre. If you get together a group of brown coats or anyone that appreciates Joss Whedon's work, then they're all they're the same, and you can get along with them. But yeah, if you got in the convention world, then you're going to have the crazies. Lots <laughs> of actors are involved. Yeah. How accessible is Joss? Could you go up right on now and talk to him? Oh yeah. Yep. And have you? And he knows my family. Like we did a thing. Ronan did a th- did the thing for Scouts last year for Comic Con, and he went out and raised five hundred dollars. And so Josh Whedon actually did a VIP thing because I'm the only one that had gotten to meet him before. And like it was my husband's dream because you know he he loved Josh first of all, and yeah. he got him inspired to write. And so Josh's manager found out that we had done this, and so he said, "Come bring the check to the Comic Con booth." And so we got like a VIP thing, and we got to go talk with Josh for fifteen minutes, the whole family, and oh, it was just wow. amazing. And and Josh is like that, and you know, Equality Now is. His, his pet charity and so the, he loves it when you're, you're talking about the San Diego Comic Con yes oh wow yeah. the mother of all Comic Cons yes. wow and so and then we've met Joss you know I have met Joss seven or eight times now and he's very personable and he'll sit there and talk to anybody mm-hmm. and he's yeah. great I kind of feel bad for him he gets mobbed yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I know I noticed that yeah. when I try to go talk to him but he's very personable now, you mentioned uh, the word literate, and I also wanted to t- comment on that because uh, I wanted my audience to know what you do for a living back in Utah. Well, I actually work on submissions for a website, <laughs> and I work in the supplement field, too. Like, uh, I, I help people with supplements and nutrition, but my passion is I have a website, you know, is okay to say it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's at mycelebrityencounters.com. That's and, your website? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. And so I like to put up reports and pictures from fans all across the world. And it's just something that's fun to let people feel like that they're there with the people. Her actual real dream job is one day she's hoping to be able to put on her own conventions because that's her passion. Yes, I do she have a dream of making that much. convention world. I was thinking of a big place in Las Vegas that people could have, you know, have pictures with the green screen behind them and they could have pictures with any van, you know, any actor that they wanted to have oh, and there would be rides and there, you know, and it would be a place that people could come for conventions and so, you know, that's, that's my big dream. I would love to do that. But That would be great. I think you could do it. I misunderstood because of your email teacher blank, blank, blank 
I thought you were a teacher. Well, I, I have taught. I've taught women's health a lot, and I've taught light nutrition classes in evening school. And so I am kind of a teacher okay. <laughs> of like the supplement world. But I, once I got involved with the conventions and the writers and things, I love that world and any part of it I can be, I do. So it brings you a lot of joy. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping to see Ronan today. Where is he? Oh, he got so sick. He, he had written the third installment of a comic <laughs> for Jaws. He gave him the first installment at Comic-Con and then the second at Mutant Enemy Day. And so he wrote <laughs> the third one and he sent it with us with a little note to Jaws that said that he was sick and he couldn't make it. And so I got a picture of it and I'm going to take it home to him. Is Joss giving him any feedback or notes? No, he's not giving him notes, but he said that would be great if he could write comics when he got older. Like, it, the, the premise of the comic is Sonic, well, Amy and Joss versus Sonic and Robotnik. And so <laughs> Joss gets to work with the female character that never gets enough. <laughs> at, you know, and so it's, it's great. That's awesome. Well, tell Ron and I give him a big hug, and I hope he feels better soon. Anything you want to say to, because um, the reason we're here is because it, it's, possible that the end of the strike may be imminent. Um, anything you want fans or to know as we wrap this up? Well, the, the main thing that all of the writers are saying is just keep up what you're doing. You know, don't stop, don't slack off now because the studios need to know that we're in it for the long haul. Every, the fans, the writers, everybody because otherwise they'll think that the writers will just take whatever they'll get and they're not going to sign unless it's right. And This is just hypothetical because my hopes are that we wrap this up, but what if the strike gets delayed and we have to push it all the way into the summer what do you have to say to that and that's what they need to do they the studios can't push them around anymore they need to have their fair deal and they can't just sign because people are pressuring them okay my final question as we wrap this up um what is a more powerful invention for artists and teachers and writers what is a more powerful invention legacy notwithstanding the internet or the printing press definitely the internet how come well, you can reach so much more, so many more people, and all at the same time in avenues. I mean, that's why fans for writers got together. You know, that's how everybody knows about everything. Yeah. So definitely the internet. Cool. Thank you so much for your time. It was great to see you again. You too. And, and drive safely. Okay. Bye. Have a good night. You have been listening to the Rider Strike Chronicle podcast, available for free through iTunes. For more information, visit us at www.strikechronicles.com. To contact us, please call 310-439-8754 or send us an email at info at strikechronicles.com.